our text is Psalms 91, verse 5 through 8, and verse 13 as well. But, uh, you know, I got to hear the writer of that song uh, back uh, when he was still living. He was 96 years old. And if my, my, is my microphone picking up? Okay. Uh, but uh, I got to hear him when he was 96 years old. He sang, it's very clear. He died right close to 100, but he, he didn't quite make it. But that song was written in a time when his wife left him because he was preaching the word and standing up for Jesus Christ. And she just left him. He said, Jesus or me. And he was so devastated that he thought he just might end his life. Those thoughts came to him, but then in talking to the Lord, he gave him, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. He penned those words, and then he put them to music, and God has used that for many years since. I think he died in sometime in about 65, 66, 67, right around that era when he died. But I did get to hear him once before he did. And um, just, just a dear man of God. But I'm saying that, I'm relating that story to you because I didn't know Brother Kevin was going to sing that this morning. But it really t ties in well with our message for today. Uh, in the hard times of life, you see it. And so this uh, sermon is titled, Having a Personal Relationship with God, Part 5. So as I read there, in a moment, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5 and then verse uh, 13. There he says, Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor by the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday, a thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand. But it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold. And let me read verse 9 too, I want to. Because thou hast made the Lord which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. That's having a personal relationship with the Lord on a daily basis. Already read some things there that he would see and he would face. And verse 13 says, Thou shalt tread upon the lion, and the adder, and the young lion, and the dragon, shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon thee, therefore will I deliver thee. And before I have a word of prayer, I just want to say this. Jesus Christ, he always existed in eternity past. We're, 
people are going to talk about the little baby Jesus. And that represents really his start in his human life. But really, he existed in all eternity past. He was part of the creation and creating. He was God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three divine persons in one divine essence. He would take on a human body. You know one of the things that we miss even at Easter time about the resurrection. Jesus would keep a human body. He would raise from the dead. He'd have a glorified body. He would ascend into heaven. He's coming back again. You're going to be in a body. We're going to be resurrected if you're saved. You'll be with him throughout eternity. Not in this body we have now but a new body fashioned like into his glorious body. Why would he keep a body when he's a spirit through all eternity past? Because he loved us so much that he would remain in a body that we might rule and reign with him. Think of that. Oh, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this in your word today. We need your word on a daily basis. We need thy Holy Spirit to teach it to us, to help us understand it, and how to walk according to it. Now, Lord, if there's one in our auditorium today who does not know that if they died today that heaven's their home, I pray that today would be the very day they come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If anyone has wandered from you, may today be the day to come back. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. I actually started on this series, uh, well, four other sermons ago because it's the fifth sermon on it. I'm going to draw this short series to a close. And somebody says, if you're only preaching five sermons, that is a mini-series for you. That's not a short one, that's even many, and maybe so. But nonetheless, uh, it was one that if I would have stayed on it, we'd have been a long time, because Psalms 91 is a very full psalm. So much there to meditate on. But uh, this series, I'm going to close it, because it is still dealing with our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Verses 5 through 8 should be considered strongly with verse 13 in your mind because of the reality of the perpetual power and potency in the settings of these times because Satan is the power behind what works in this country today and this world. Someone blame politicians. The blame of politicians is that they wouldn't make decisions as they've made if they were walking with Jesus Christ. And the failures in our own personal lives are the days we don't walk according to His Word, we don't walk with Christ, and do that which we should do. There are certain things because we belong to Christ, 
we have His Spirit in us, that as soon as we see it, it's repulsive to us. But this world doesn't have the Spirit of Christ in it. It's the devil. He's, the Bible calls him the God of this world. And so he is leading the world in so many things. And so, what does Satan do? He attacks, attacks the most vulnerable at the worst times, at any times. As a matter of fact, sometimes he arranges those times. Don't be afraid. If you truly trust God, there is no reason to be afraid. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, you need not fear. If you'll notice verse 13, he says, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, and upon the lion and uh, the, the dragon, and, and the, thou shalt trample them under feet. Not only the lion, the young lion. Trample them under feet. All four, the lion, the adder, the young lion, and the dragon. Every one of them are symbols of Satan in the Scripture. The one lion that is not is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lord Jesus Christ. But outside of that, these others are symbols of the devil. And those are scary symbols. I mean, a dragon, a lion, even a young lion, or an adder, a snake. You know, people say, do you like snakes? If they're dead. And even then, I don't want to touch them, but if they're dead, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. But, and Peter, don't call me. Okay, now, All of those, all of those powerful things that we've known about and heard about are no match for our almighty God. So ours is to remain in the fortress of his faith. See, a fortress is for protection. Walking according to the word of God, living by the word of God, that is walking in the faith, the faith in his word. As you live in doing it, you're living by his powerful authority. Many times you see people say, I want the power of God. But you know the word power most often is referring to the authority of God. He is sovereign because he's created everything and everything he's made is his. So therefore, God's right to do what he wants with that which is his, is to do whatever he wants to do with creation, that is sovereignty. He is the sovereign God. Fortunately, this sovereign God has provided a way of salvation for us. He's the almighty God. So walk in his word. Walk in his authority. In other words, he said to do this, I'm going to do it. And he will protect. There is always victory in Jesus. Victory. 
You might say is only. Victory is only in not, for the Christian, not abandoning that walk with God. But when you begin to abandon, you begin to let up on your standards and you get an attitude, ah, it's not so bad. Well, that's crazy. When you get that attitude, understand your Christian life is in danger, not of losing your salvation, but you are in danger of losing reward. And you're in danger of the chastening and scourging of God as He chastens and scourges His own. Just understand this, if you have wandered from the Lord, you're not walking with Him as you used to walk with Him. You used to serve Him. You were involved in ministry. You witnessed. You gave out tracts. You sang in a choir. You taught a Sunday school class. You worked on a bus ministry. And on we could go. But you don't do it anymore. What I want you to understand, if you're still breathing, His door is still open. You can come back, and you can finish in victory. Pastor, you don't know the sins. I know I'm a Christian, but I know the sins I've committed. How could it use me? I've, I've eliminated myself from being able to do this. I've eliminated myself from being able to do that. And maybe you have. But what you haven't eliminated yourself from is serving God. And he will make a way for you. Why? Because he is God, he loves you, and he wants you to finish strong. So it's still open to come back in victory. And we can always say hallelujah for that, can't we? This psalm is showing us that there is always, 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 always victory in Jesus. I think that's why it's a messianic psalm because many of the things here that are in this psalm are things that they call it a messianic psalm because it's in Jesus. Thou shalt not dash thy, they, the angels wouldn't let him dash his foot against a stone. But that's speaking of his humanity, not his deity, in his humanity. But it's also demonstrating for us the care that our Lord has for us. And when you have that trust, when you have that face, thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, verse 5 says. Nor for the arrow that flieth by day. You see, now it's telling us the terror at night. The arrow in the daytime. It's talking about weaponries of war. The attack in the dark. This is the ammo of the devil. This is the ammo of the, the enemy of our souls. It is a spiritual warfare, if you're saved, that we're involved in. Don't surrender. Never surrender. Satan is a terror. He is strong. But one thing we know beyond any shadow of the doubt, he is not God. 
there is one over him. That is our almighty Lord, our almighty God and Savior. When men don't watch, again, if you don't watch, then his temptation will conquer you. You know, a lot of times you see in the Bible things about watch, watch, watch. And it really pictures a battle. There's the man that's standing in the tower. There might be the man that's standing on the mountainside. And he's watching for the enemy. He's the person watching over the city to see that danger, that thief, that thing that comes in to try to destroy. He's watching, ever watching. As a pastor, I have a responsibility before the Almighty God to which I'm going to give an account to be the watchman for this church, to His house, to point out the enemies of false doctrine, to point out the enemies of the sins of the flesh, that the devil has developed a weapon that he calls, using a Bible term, liberty. But he's what he's doing Instead of giving liberty to your spirit to walk with God, to serve God, to be holy and acceptable unto God, he's trying to give you liberty to commit the sin that you were saved from. He's trying to give you liberty, he says, that, oh, that's not that bad. That's all right. And if that's what you believe, you've got certain things about it. A lot of church people believe that, but I don't. Don't brag about it. You're deceived. Satan has a victory over you. Get victory in Jesus, because that's where our victory stands, is in Jesus. Yes, those enemies of doctrine that brings on the sins of the flesh in the life of a Christian, we all need to be clothed with the Word of God. I try to encourage you every year, read the Bible through. Meditate on it. Think on it. Why would you do that? Because it provides the exact ammo and weapons that you need for that battle. It contains God's full armor. I believe your family is important to you. You got a family? They are important to you. Your parents, your children. Your spouse, they're important to you. The question we must each ask ourselves, how am I guarding against Satan's attacks on my family? Don't surrender to Satan's crooks who break into your home with deceit and complacency for the things of God. Complacency towards sin. Satan subtly allures and infests the most depraved desires of mankind. The most depraved desires of our flesh, deceiving them using woke teachers and preachers, videos, 
and other types of entertainment that take them to the edge. Well, I didn't go all the way, so it's not that bad. Oh, yes, it is. It has created a thirst for those things. Oh, yes, he wants to reach those most depraved desires of the flesh, but he also wants to create those desires of the flesh. That Satan's what he wants to do. And, and again, he wants to really take you the wrong direction. It leads to destruction. The destruction of your very soul. Your very being. He wants to destroy. He wants to deceive you. He wants to do what he can to bring you down. In spirit, soul, and body. And guess what? Over the years, it has been seen many times that giving into these things, these lusts, when parents begin to do it, has led their children to lives of disgrace and turning back. Turning, not turning back, should I say, to the way of righteousness. Now look, there are too many parents today that have led up on standards they once had. Well, my children want this. It's really not that bad. When you've got get to the point where you say it's not really that bad about something that before you said was bad, you were separated from, Satan has won a victory. He has won a victory. And, and you're afraid the children won't like you. Oh, they'll get out of here and, and they won't come back. Listen, you may have a very godly child and you're a godly person. And God may take your child to Japan. to the Middle East, to Europe, to serve him. But that child's not departed forever. If he's saved, if she's saved, and you're saved, you're not departed forever, because you meet again. And you rejoice that you never abandoned the Lord in the battles of life. But so many so that their children would like them, have seen their children end up in disgrace, and they never turn back. Because the parents gave up on the standards, the parents destroyed the foundations. And if the foundations be destroyed, uh, what can the righteous do? The psalmist tells us. And so, parents, your responsibility is not to be your child's buddy. You're to teach them in the way that they should go. You should be such that your, parent, that your children aren't looking at you as their buddy. They're looking at you as their parents who know Christ and can help them and be effective in counsel, 
as well as in prayer for them. The world counsels their children. They counsel them just the regular secular jobs of life. They counsel them in other areas as well that may not ever be God's will for those kids. The main counsel your children need from you is godly counsel. Godly counsel. But if you're a teenager in here today, let me say this. When you start to blame your parents for whatever you've messed up on, you are lying to yourself. Because if you are old enough to have a personal relationship with God, if you're old enough to be saved, you're old enough to obey the Word of God and find His will. Your parents don't tell you what the will, the call of God is on your life. The only thing they can tell you that I can tell my kids or grandkids or whatever, the call of God is that He is called that whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. He can be saved. He can be saved. How can he be saved? Because he has a free will just like Jesus, well, like God. God has a free will. <clears throat> you know what? I was created in his image. Now, if you don't think you have a free will, then you don't believe that we were created in God's image, or you're saying God doesn't have a free will. God has a free will, and God is a spirit. <clears throat> Every one of you have a spirit. That spirit has a free will, just like Adam and Eve. We make decisions that go against the righteousness and true holiness of our God. Today we get afraid of different things. Other states, they're more afraid of tornadoes coming through. We, we think more of hurricanes. But all across this country, you think of bullets. Bombs are becoming a danger. Terrorist, terrorist of hate. And you wonder, how am I going to protect my home? If I have people trying to break into my home, trying to attack my home, what do I do? Well, you know, a lot of us have weapons that we have at our home. Should we, somebody try to break in? Or do it. Uh, Jesus said, the strong man in the house is prepared, isn't he? Yeah. He protects his home. Well, Satan has ammunition. We find ours in God's Word. Satan has confidence in his weaponry. He's had many victories in even Christian lives. I'm sure that the weaponry you have at home, you believe will protect your home. You have confidence in your ammo for your house. How much confidence do we have in the Word of God? You'll notice in verse 6, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Now, you know, we went through the period of mask. I'm not sure if they're going to do with this 
flu thing now, that's going to be masked as well. And yet, some universities have done tests and said, that doesn't work. That is actually keeping poison in you. I don't know. But I do know one thing. It is stupid to fear those things more so than it is to fear God. More people are more afraid of COVID or flu or some other country invading us than we are of the day we stand at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of ourselves unto God. Some things we won't do for the Lord because we're afraid of the pestilence. We're afraid of certain things. And one day you give an account for that. Where are you going to stand? Oh, listen, preacher. I know you didn't really wear a mask hardly at all. Now, I did wear it some. Whenever I went into a doctor's office, they said to put one on. I had to put one on. If I went to visit somewhere that they had to have one, I put one on. Out of respect. But other than that, no. Hey, what if you'd have got COVID and died? I would have been with Jesus. And you know, the Bible says that's far better, not just better. Far better. I mean, I hear about a, a multi-billionaire, not just a billionaire, a multi-billionaire. Now, you'd think their home is built so strong with all that protection they have, and yet his house was destroyed in a hurricane. Destroyed. With all those riches, it was destroyed. But had it not been destroyed, a saved man would be much better off with Christ than living continually in fear and pain and sickness in a multi-million dollar home. Think of that. Because one day, no matter who he or she is, they're going to leave this world and they better be right with Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. Now, some may disagree with me on that. It's all right. I don't mind if you're wrong. Um, but I think it's time to fear God more than we do man. I think it's, more, it's time we fear God more than we do what might be the threats, yeah, we got to be wise, but really, I mean, I fear God more than man, but I'm still going to protect my home if somebody tries to break into my home. And I'm going to pull the trigger and say, Lord, help me not to miss. Now, a thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand but it shall not come nigh thee. No, verses 5 through 7 has a continuing list of things that confront us. But you, in all of those things, all those things put together, in total, you trust God, and he is greater than all of those things put together. Supplication. In prayer. 
Pouring out your heart to God in prayers, Psalms chapter 62, verse 8 tells us. Through the trials, the calamities, a thousand falls at thy side. Ten thousand at thy right hand, we read in our text. It shows the multitude of enemies of Satan has against us. But you walk with God, those multitude of enemies, no matter what the sin may be, no matter what kind of person may be involved, is no match for our God. You see, I think of Jude verse 4. Certain men crept in unawares, trying to bring down a church, trying to bring down doctrine, trying to bring down what was established. Yes, there will be those who will come in and deceive and try to say they're one of you and they're actually something else. It's not just in the church, it gets into your life. That's why we have the Word of God that gives us discernment to discern between the spirit of truth and the spirit of deceit. Go by the Word of God. Always go by the Word of God. Live by the Word of God. And you have those deceivers. You realize those deceivers can still be saved. So at that right hand, see, he just didn't say a thousand at his side, but at his right hand, ten thousand. You know, the right hand was supposed to be the power, the strength. Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father on high. The authority, the strength, the confidence. Make the Lord, through His Word, your strength, your confidence, the power. We have an idea sometimes that as soon as we say a prayer, okay, it's going to be taken care of. Next day it's not taken care of. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. See, you put a time limit in God instead of God working in His time. Yes, you bring it to God. Yes, you tell God your heart. But you always bring it to God and then just trust God. You keep on keeping on. You do what you're supposed to do until God brings it about. Maybe the way he's going to bring it about is going to change the lives of others as well. And he's wanting to use you as an instrument to help others. That's what it is about being a Christian, you see. Yes, the attacks of the lion, the young lion, the adder and the dragon are ferocious. It's a tremendous army. But then God, knowing that ahead of time, gave us Ephesians chapter 6, and he told us, put on the whole armor of God. You know, these uh, deputies and police people that we have in our church, when they're on duty, they usually have some kind of a vest on. Somebody takes a shot at them and it stings. But it doesn't penetrate. Devil takes a shot at you. It may sting. He may use people's words to make it sting. But you don't quit. You don't quit. And what a testimony to them. Man, I gave it my best. And look, still going. Still going. Yes. 
there is all kinds of matter. In fact, when you look in Ephesians chapter uh, 6, verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But there are things that work through that flesh and blood sometimes. Principalities, power, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high place, all of those, all of those, all of those are a list like a military list, like military officers, okay? Here's the, here's the general, here's the captain, here's the uh, soldier. But whatever it is, Satan has an organized army. But we have God. We have his word. We can be victorious because there's always, always, always victory in Jesus. But it goes back as a Christian. Do you have a relationship? Now, I'm not saying, are you saved? I'm saying, do you have a personal relationship that's daily, that's ongoing? I'm not saying, well, I've got this little devotional read, and then I'll read this verse of Scripture, and I'll say this prayer. Yeah, you've been saying the same prayer for every day, not looking for an answered prayer, just saying it's kind of like uh, the heathen does their uh, repeated prayers day after day. Vain repetition. Christian, you want a difference in America? Let the difference start in your own heart and life. That's the first start. Now, there are people here that probably agree with everything I've said. Some may not disagree with some of the things I've said. Some may disagree with everything I've said. But as I preach the Word, if you disagree with the Word, you're not disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with God. So let me ask you this. Are you 100% sure if you die today that heaven's your home? I'm not asking you, are you doing the best you can? I'm not asking you, do you pay your taxes? I'm not asking you, are you religious? I'm not asking you all those things. And what I'm saying is, is there a day where you realize you're a sinner, you needed to go to hell, you, you, you deserve to go to hell? You deserve to be in that lake of fire forever and ever where your spirit would always be but never able to cease to exist, never able to escape. Having the torments of hell and its fires forever and ever. That's what we deserve by sin. You say, I don't think that's true. Well, then you just called God a liar. And you don't understand the holiness of God. If you knew the holiness of God, if we know the holiness of God, and we'll grow in the knowledge of the holiness of God, we'd realize that the sin that we have is filthy and rotten, just like you might look at the, uh, the various morals of this country and the various immoral people, and those that have committed some of the most heinous crimes, and the way you'd look down on that, that may not even scratch to the surface to what your, our sin is to God. That's why everyone, needs to come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He died for you. He didn't have to become a human, but he did so that you could be saved from that. He was buried when they crucified him. On You know, everybody, so often even we preachers do it. We emphasize all the pain of the cross, the stripes, the, the spear in the side, the spitting on him, the slapping of his face, the yanking of the hair out of his head. Boy, all that pain for me. Yeah, and by his stripes we are healed. But let me tell you this. 
the worst suffering of the cross was when the Father looked on the human spirit of Jesus Christ with all my sin and your sin on him and poured out his wrath. And I don't even know if the people in hell have, will feel the wrath that he felt on his human spirit that day. They'll feel the wrath of God, but not like that. But that's what he did to pay our penalty for sin. Ignore that. Ignore that. You got a home in hell. Yet you can escape that. Even today. Knowing that he died for you and he was buried and rose from the dead. He called us to repentance and faith. You're turning from yourself. You're turning from sin. And yet you can't turn from all your sin. You turn to him. You commit yourself to him. He cleanses you of the sin. He takes the sin from you. I used that word power a little while ago about authority. Too many have the authority in their life is that sin that so easily besets them. And as the person that may not sure if you died today that heaven's your home, you've got a sin in your life. It may be an addiction of some kind. It might be sexual. It might be things with drugs. It might be with alcohol. Or it might be with crime or any other kind of a thing. You just end up doing it again and again and again. Your victory is in Jesus. Turn to him. You can't get rid of it. Let him cleanse you by his blood. Let him take it from you. And just like in a marriage, you're giving yourself to him, his person, and he has given himself to you because he already paid your penalty with his blood. But you've got to come to him with that idea of receiving him, making that commitment to him to be your Lord and Savior. And if you'll do that, he'll save you. He'll save you. Why? Well, because the Bible tells me God doesn't lie. He'd be lying if he wouldn't save you if you come to him in repentance and faith. I want to invite you to come to him in repentance and faith today. Let's bow our heads, please.